Hello everyone. Let's take a moment to pray together. Lord Jesus, beloved teacher, dearest friend, give us grace to seek your face, to bring to you the prayer of loving attention as we soak up your word today. Amen. So, here we are with the Apostle Paul again today, continuing with his letter to one of the early churches. We find him still in prison for his faith in Jesus. He still does not know how long he's, got, he's likely to be there. He still does not know what the outcome may be. He could be there for some time yet or he could face execution. He lives with the uncertainty, though he's using the time well. Such times in our lives may require a certain sort of courage when we need to dig deep and that's what we find Paul doing here. So how did Paul cope? What was his secret? Well, he tells us clearly here. If someone were to ask each of us what lies at the heart of who you are, what is your life founded upon, I wonder what we'd say. Today we discover the very foundation of Paul's life. We learn the reason he can cope with these circumstances and indeed more than just cope but rejoice. He states his life's foundation in six short words at the start of verse 21. He says, For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Just stay with those words a while. Who is Paul? An Israelite, a Roman citizen, a Pharisee, an expert in Jewish law, steeped in the Old Testament, an apostle, a theologian, teacher and church leader, highly intelligent, an experienced traveller, founder of churches across much of the then known world, skilful writer of letters, warm-hearted. He is all of these and much more. These things all tell us something about him, his background, what has shaped his life, what he does and what he's good at. But at the end of the day, they do not define him. These are expressions of who he is, but they're not the real heart of who he is. They're not the core of his identity. The six short words of, at the start of verse 21 tell us who Paul is. They tell us what his life is founded upon. They reveal his truest identity in his own words. For me to live is Christ. Some years ago, the Christian writer Richard Foster expressed a similar thought in his book Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. The title alone sold it to me. Perhaps we can identify with this in one way or another, so here is some of what he says in his introduction. God has graciously allowed me to catch a glimpse into his heart and I want to share with you what I have seen. Today the heart of God is an open wound of love. He aches over our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves that we have forgotten him. He weeps over our obsession with muchness and manyness. He longs for our presence. And he is inviting you and me to come home. To come home to where we belong 
to come home to that for which we were created. His arms are stretched out wide to receive us. His heart is enlarged to take us in. For too long we have been in a far country, a country of noise and hurry and crowds, a country of climb and push and shove, a country of frustration and fear and intimidation. And he welcomes us home, home to serenity and peace and joy, home to friendship and fellowship and openness, home to intimacy and acceptance and affirmation. The key to this home, this heart of God, is prayer. The Father's heart is open wide. You are welcome to come in. If the key is prayer, the door is Jesus Christ. How good of God to provide a way into his heart. No longer do we have to stand outside, barred from nearness to God by our rebellion. We may now enter through the door of God's grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. Wow, it seems to me that Richard Foster, like St Paul, is saying, in effect, for me to live is Christ. This love relationship with God is what his life is founded upon in the here and now. For Paul, it was living in this reality, finding his heart's true home, his identity through the Lord Jesus, that enabled him to cope with the uncertain and confined circumstances in which he found himself. And this home is eternal. So what about the second part of verse 21? The whole verse reads, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain? Goodness, how can anyone say that? But this is not some kind of strange death wish, far from it. Rather, Paul is reminding his friends in Philippi that this love relationship with God is not ended by death. It goes on. Remember Jesus' promise to the dying thief on the cross, the one who knew he needed God's forgiveness and began to recognise who Jesus was. Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus has conquered death, and as his forgiven people, we share his resurrection life. Our relationship with God is not ended by death, any more than Jesus' relationship with his Father was ended by death. Therefore, Paul is saying, the foundation of his life does not somehow dissolve at death, but rather he will be with Jesus forevermore. Paul is so looking forward to being with the Lord he loves for eternity. However, he knows that there is still work for him to do here on earth. So, moving on. While acknowledging all the uncertainty of his circumstances, Paul seems to sense that it just may be he'll be released at some point and he is greatly looking forward to being reunited with this church in Philippi. He hears of problems there from time to time, and he wants to go and help steady them, confident of a joyful reunion. Meantime, whatever happens, he encourages them to be united and faithful in their life together as Jesus' people, 
both in lifestyle and in the message they teach and share. He knows they face opposition, as so very many Christians around the world do today. He therefore encourages them not to be scared, pointing out that opposition and suffering can go with the territory of being a follower of Jesus. And finally, in verse 30, Paul comes full circle, back to his own experience. He reminds them that they're not alone in what they're facing. Their beloved Paul is also in the same boat. He's not just talking theory. He has already shared with them the foundation of his life which keeps him steady and hope-filled and rejoicing. This encouragement must have been invaluable for them. As they meet and someone reads Paul's letter aloud, I can see the nods and smiles and sense of relief in knowing that he understands. I can see chins lifting and shoulders straightening, friends clasping hands and exclamations of, Yes, Amen! They shared with Paul the same foundation for living. This foundation can be ours too.